This is part two of my interview with Nathan Quirk. And I'm going to ask you again, if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. And also consider buying some of my audio products available at the website, medsailor.com. Looking for a sewing machine that's both portable and powerful? Look no further than the legendary Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1. Take it to the marina, store it on your boat. The Ultrafeed goes where you go. This high-performing, heavy-duty machine sews both in zigzag and straight stitch. The Ultrafeed can handle your toughest jobs with absolutely zero loss of power or skip stitches. It breezes through up to 10 layers of Sunbrella canvas and 8 layers of Dacron sailcloth. With the most dependable all-metal internal components, the Ultrafeed is a piece of well-engineered machinery that's built to last. Sailrite has been building the Ultrafeed for over 20 years. This tried-and-true powerhouse machine comes with a five-year limited warranty and the best customer service in the industry. The machines are assembled, fine-tuned, and tested at Sailrite's manufacturing facility by a team of highly trained technicians. Every machine is calibrated and tested before it's shipped to guarantee both smooth operation and machine quality. Take your sewing skills to the next level with the Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1 sewing machine. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more, including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from Bimini's to Dodger's, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. In my interviews with Nathan Cork, I did do a screen capture, so the video of that screen capture is available at the website medsailor.com both in the show notes for the episodes and also in the menu item called videos. So if you want to follow along as we're talking, and I'm moving my cursor around Google Earth, it's available on YouTube, and the links are at the website. I'm back with Nathan. I'm back. (laughs) I'm back with Nathan Cork. This is the second part of our interview where we were talking about his summer sales in uh, in Croatia, and he while we were uh, getting ready for the second part of the interview, he sent me his KMZ file, and now I've got all the place marks that he has, and I will try to put a link to it on the website, and uh, we will continue on. We were uh, talking about Pog, uh, your your Bora experience in Pog, and where you got out of it, just around the corner. And I'm re- trying to record this um, on screen share with Camtasia. And if I can get this done, I will put out a YouTube video uh, showing you 
as I'm looking at Google Earth as we're talking and moving around. So if if that's useful to you, that's it should be out there in, in the channel at YouTube, and I'll put links to it at the website. So, Nathan, thanks again for staying with me, and we'll continue on with this uh, fascinating story about your sail up the Croatian coast. And uh, the last last episode, we ended at Pog. Let's continue on from there. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, um, after Pug, we, we sort of went out, um, went into the channel just north of Pug, and there was a, we had got a sort of good weather window to head northwest. It was, we had a nice uh, southeast breeze, probably 20 knots, and it was dead downwind all the way to Rab. Uh, is it Rab? Yes. Yeah, Rab, which um, yeah, we sailed all the way down in, into Rab and, uh, one afternoon, and we actually ended up staying in Rab. Um, the first day we got there, the wind was, yeah, like I said, southeast and quite strong. So it was a bit bumpy when we got in there, but um, it died pretty quickly. And so we anchored in. There's two little inlets on the on the uh, the spit, sort of south of Rub, just just further in there. So um, yeah, I don't see a. We tried I don't, anchoring. I don't, I don't see a mark. Did you have a mark for that on your KMZ file? Yeah, there's a mark. There's a mark near Rab. You've got that one. I do have it just off to the left or, side of, of Rab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, well, the ones <laughs> the anchorages, I, I, we didn't really stay very long. I didn't mark, but, but in the in the notes on that on that um, Rab thing, it's more general. Um, we we anchored in those little inlets on the south side there, but a you know it was a storm coming and. Um, you know, we just had that experience in Havar, so we were pretty keen. I, I didn't really want to take any risk because it's just my wife and I on the boat and at that stage. So uh, it was. So we headed right up into the north of the bay, uh, and pretty much in the middle of the storm. And we had you know, a couple of cracks of lightning that almost felt like they were hitting the rig. But so, um, but we anchored up there. It was pretty good holding on the north of bay, north northwest corner of the that inlet there. Um, but it was quite a, quite away from Rab. So as the weather calmed down the next few days, we we moved down and you could anchor just um, yeah just adjacent to the town on the south side there. And, and uh, there's a couple of piers there where you can take the tender, or if you if you want, you can take the tender right around into the marina. But um, but that was nice. It, it gets quite deep, quite quick. So you've got to uh, um, find your sort of patch of sand and. Um, where I put the 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 pin is probably not the best place. It looks really deep, but um, but uh, the, there is places to anchor there. Okay. So we stayed in Rab for a few days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which I've, is a beautiful town. Yeah, I actually uh, see the notes now. I didn't see the notes before. So you said seems free anchoring in Hull Bay, shallower and better holding in the northwest end. Okay, great information. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, on each uh, on each uh, pin, there's a little note, and if you put on Croatia Combine, it's like notes of the various people that this file was passed through. So some of a lot of them are more detailed than than me. I, I just put sort of the bare minimum, and whether it was free or not, that seemed to be what people are more interested in. But um, but uh, and then uh, we left there. We sailed around around the island there. Uh, to Salovac, Salovac, 
around the corner there and spent a night there and then headed across to Kirk. Um, and when we headed across to Kirk, we had quite a strong north easterly. It was sort of 30, 35 knots and I got a little caught out but, um, there. But, you know, we'd end up filling up the jib and just having a couple of reefs in the main and we got there fine. But, uh, yeah, it can get, like we said in the last episode, it can get windy quick. So, yeah, watch watch the gusts, not the, <laughs> not the forecasted um, average. But, uh, yeah, from there we sort of went around the top of, is it, is it Krez, I think? Yeah, oh, no. uh, uh, Crest, C-R-E-S, yeah. So you went around yeah. the top of that then, okay. Uh-huh. Top of that, that was all motoring that, yeah, there wasn't no, there wasn't no wind. Then we, it was a full day of motoring and we got around to a little anchorage on the western side of that island. Um, what is that island name? Yeah, okay, There's there it is. Um, Uvala Miracini. M-I-R-A-C-I-N-E, yeah. Yeah, we stopped there and then just for a night. There's nothing there. It was not nice enough anchorage. It was calm when we were there, so... No mobile reception really, You're completely cut off. But which is nice too sometimes. <laughs> um, and from there we we headed around to Puller. As Puller was as far north as we got. By the time we got to Puller, it was sort of early mid September. So, and uh, just its proximity, I guess, to the Alps and whatever, it just seemed to get cold. Um, and there was a bit of a bora uh, blowing there at the time. And um, yeah. We just thought, well, we don't want to go further north. It's getting too cold. So, and we were worried because we, were, we still had months of cruising left. And we're like, well, how are we going to be in November? It's going to be freezing. But, but uh, as we started to go south, it pretty quickly got warm again. So, um, yeah, I went into Pula um, on. Yeah, Pula was. I went into Pula on my last trip and went into that marina there. That's another ACI marina there. And uh, I did see boats anchored up there, so it's nice to know you can actually anchor in that bay up there. So, yeah. So you are oh, you in the marina just off the town there? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And actually, that night I was actually yeah, really gl- glad I actually stayed in that marina because we had a major, major windstorm come through that lasted for about four hours in there. And even though the holding yeah, wow. may have been good, I still was glad to be tied up. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had to move a couple of times to find a place that, that was sort of out of the wind. I think we probably saw 35 knots at the top of wind on, on anchor there, but flat water, and it was kind of gusty. It wasn't, wasn't constant. So, But we sort of got as far north and under the trees right in the corner, and it seemed okay. Okay. But uh, and the fee collector came once. The weather was rubbish, so he came out two days after we were there, and he said, oh, "You have to pay." And so really, he only charged me one night, and then we never saw him again. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it actually is a charged area, but you got away with it then. Okay. Apparently, yeah. I guess it depends. A lot of these, a lot depends on the time of year. I guess it was getting late in the season, and the weather was rubbish, and you know. Uh, doesn't, you know, yeah. It could be completely a week earlier or a week later. It could be a completely different story. You just don't know. But you know, it's just 
my experience, but but um, oh, I didn't mind paying. It was a it's a pretty safe anchorage, and you know we hadn't paid at all anywhere. So okay, so ten ten euros was nothing. And then from there we started heading south again, and the we didn't really intend. We wanted to get to Kornati, the national park, and um, we didn't really intend on going there as late as we did, but we sort of went down the outer islands um, uh, past, is it? Uh, we stopped in Losinje. Yeah. yeah. Losinje went through two bridges there, uh, one in Osa and then the other one in Malilusinj. Mm-hmm. Uh, went through there. We found an anchorage there, but that's quite a long way from the city, from the village. Um, but, you know, and it was quite deep. It was hard to... I, I, it's on the, the mar- it's marked there. We stayed on the north side mm-hmm. there while we were waiting for the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once we went through the bridge, it was too rough there to stay overnight. And then once we went through the bridge into the sort of the sound there, um, we ended up going quite far, sort of up northwest up the, um, up the sound and found a spot just outside some moored boats, but it got super deep really so, quick. So, so you see where you, um, you stayed in Mali Losinge? It says Mali Losinge 2019. Yeah, yeah. Two bays. But that was just uh, while we were waiting for the bridge. Okay. Well, two bays to the south. Um, you oh, yeah. see okay. that bay. That's a deep anchorage, and I stayed in there for two or three nights, and there was no charge in there. Right. And that was a really yeah, nice okay. walk. Uh, from there on up to the town, it's really a pleasant walk up through. Okay. The yeah. 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 We had um, we had uh, I did motor around there, but the the wind we had at the time was um, sort of north east northeast, so the waves were just heading straight in there. Mm, so okay, wasn't really an option to stay outside, so we had to go through the bridge. But um, yeah, but the the village there is super nice. Uh, it was a really nice place. We only stayed there overnight and had to sort of go in the morning. But, um, yeah, would have liked to spend a couple more days there. Um, so when then, did, do you remember when I the bridge yeah. opened? I know it was only a couple times a day, so you had to wait quite a while to get in through there, as I recall. Yeah, exactly. It was sort of – it must have been around 6 p.m. or something like that. And, unfortunately, um, and it's in the notes there, we were on the – we went through the Osa Bridge further north, mm-hmm. uh, and it opened. Around, it opened around ten, I think. And for some reason, I, you just couldn't. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. No, when, we went through much earlier. It was about eight o'clock in the morning or something like that. Maybe even seven. And there is a morning bridge at Mali Lucent, oh, yeah. but you need to be doing about ten knots to make it. Yeah, and, I, uh, I ended so up. Sure I went make it. I went up and went through that bridge one time too. Uh, that Oso Bridge. And I actually think I, as I recall, I anchored there, um, waiting for the bridge till the next morning. And I think I did. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah they'd only have to um, move the the timing, uh, coordinate the timing a little bit better, and you'd be able to get through both bridges at you know in in a in two, two or three hours. But but anyway, it's not like that. <laughs> so. Um, that's fine. It's all good. It saves a lot going through those bridges, um, and it's you know, make the what could be a rough passage quite sheltered. But um, and then from there we sort of sailed down towards Konati, and we end up 
stopping, we stopped at a few places, but we stopped at uh, Zag Zaglav, um, which we went in there for fuel and um, it was a nice, there's not much there, but it was, it's the only fuel dock out there. And then right in the corner of the bay, you can anchor. And we spent, we, we got there around the 26th of September and we thought, well, you know, we could go into the Kornati now, but it's, if we wait four days, it's like half the price. So we sort of hung out there for four days and then once, once and bought our pass online, um, which you save another 50%. So, I mean, compared to the way we did it and sort of waiting for the first day of low season and booking online, it's, it works out about a quarter of the price as um, compared to if you just arrive without booking or buying a per permit in, in the middle of summer. So, you know, it's worth doing a bit of research on. You know what, I, what you wanted, what what you wanted, what I, you want to see and do, and how much time you want to spend in the in the national park. Yeah, I've never actually paid to go into the national park. I I once motored right up through it, and I, I gather you're not supposed to even be able to motor through it uh, without paying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did hear that. Like it seems like they don't stop you if you're motoring, uh, but you know, as soon as you drop your pick, there there's someone there <laughs> to get you. So, but yeah, um, it's an, it's yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, we we only spent two nights in there, um, or three nights actually. Uh, we Abora hit us, so we didn't didn't really. First day we were in there was beautiful, and we were still swimming in early October. Uh, but two days after that, the weather sort of went went a bit pear shaped, and um, we were sort of anchored up. Um, well, we pulled into a village on the. Verulje, uh, Verulje. Uh, it's can't pronounce that. Uh, but yeah, there's a little restaurant in there, and there was one spot left. I, we we'd slipped anchor the night before, um, and the wind was going to get when the wind came in, and and it was just going to be two nights of stress if we didn't go and tie up somewhere a bit safer. So we took the we we just bit the bullet and went in. But it turned out to be. Um, really good. There's a nice little restaurant in there. There wasn't many boats because it was late or it was sort of off season by then. Oh, V-R-U-L-I-J-E. -V um, Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's okay. a little, yeah, you can, yeah, we went yeah, okay. to there in front of the restaurant and uh, I guess there's, an, there's enough room for about eight yachts in, in total around those docks and we were the last one to get in there. There was just enough water in the dock we went into, but yeah, if you eat at the restaurant, obviously it's um, it, there's no charge, so um, which we did, and it wasn't wasn't crazy prices, and it was nice enough, right at the back back of your boat. So um, yeah, it was, it, that was that was great. Um, and then from there we had a really nice long sail. The wind was sort of favourable. We went all the way from there down to Havar again, and then we sort of from Havar we sort of back backtracking. Other places we've been, and finally we we ended up. Oh, we went to Ston. We, we went up to Ston and walked over the wall there. Um, oh yeah. Have you been up there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did you actually do the wall all the way up and down, or did you take the shortcut and walk along the road? Yeah. No, we, <laughs> oh, we went up and down, but I didn't go up and down on the way back. I took yeah. the flat option. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. We walked up over it on the way up and walked back uh, flatland on the way back. Yeah, 
yeah, but it, it's a nice, nice little village. Um, I, I anchored uh, right at the down near Brooke, Brook, yeah, and uh, at River, and mm-hmm. uh, I had an experience thirteen where I took a yacht up there, and there was no marina up there then. Now there's a bit of a marina up there, and um, and there was. There was a dock you can tie some yachts, but they were, it was full. So I just anchored in the in the bay or in the river, and um, it was barely it wasn't deep enough. We were just touching the mud, and and uh, but there was no wind. So and we went went to shore and had lunch, and I came back and I got in the tender, and there was a guy there going, "Oh, you need to pay me." I think it was like twenty five euros, and I'm like, "What for?" I'm anchored, you know. And this was my first one of my first experiences with these fee collectors, and and. Uh, and I said, no, I'm not paying. And, you know, he just, oh, again, just held heaps of abuse. So I said, I wouldn't mind paying if the yacht was parked on the dock. And fair enough. But all I did was tie a dinghy up and anchor in the, in the, in the river. And, yeah, anyway, it, nothing happened. I mean, he threatened to call police and whatnot. So, but, yeah, nothing. Now, nothing you haven't listened to the uh, – uh, now, now, Chris Axelson – uh, anchored right where you're talking about out there in the fairway in Ston. Um, yeah, I think it's on the next podcast. His boat uh, <laughs> drifted away on him, <laughs> and some other guys oh, went, right. jumped on the boat and saved it for him. So <laughs> he has an. It's the next podcast that comes out next Tuesday. He'll be talking about it. So this one will be after that one. But uh, he talks about yeah. uh, losing yeah. his boat there, coming back, and suddenly his boat's not not where he left it. Right there. So, uh, <laughs> where we anchored, it was pretty hard. I took about three or four goes to get a decent hold, and I didn't want to be in the channel. Um, you know, there was boats coming up and down, and it's not very well lit. And uh, you know, I just you know, don't want to be in, in anyone's way. So, but you know, it was fine. There wasn't much wind, and you know, we took the tender up to Ston um, the next morning, and walked over the wall and came back to the boat and, and sort of head, headed down to Dubrovnik. And we, we anchored up in just off the uh, the ACI marina. Oh, yeah. We talked about earlier where mm-hmm. we fueled up. Yeah, so we, there's enough room to anchor in there. You wouldn't think. It, it's odd that, you know, you see no anchoring in some places and then a place where you think you couldn't anchor and they'll be all over you, you know. Um, not necessarily the fee collectors, but the, the even just, you know, police or coast guard telling you to move on but you can anchor right in the middle of the river there um and there's probably enough room for three or four yachts maybe five and yeah we left the boat there for well we didn't leave it we came back to it but um we went to dubrovnik i think two or three times with an uber and um yeah worked out fine left the tender in the ace uh, marina no one said anything um so it was that all worked out well. I mean, you know, to see Dubrovnik because it's not an easy town to get to, and there's a there's, there is a new marina just near Dubrovnik, and um, but it's empty. It's empty in the Google Earth uh, photo, and it's still empty when I was there. And uh, at, but you look on, you look on, you write to them, and, and um, they're charging the an arm and a leg. Yeah, through the roof. It's, it's ridiculous yeah. what they're yeah. charging for that. Yeah, yeah. I look at it now, and I said, geez. Yeah. A lot of money, but yeah, no boats in there. Um, no, no. 
which I, I don't really understand. That's, that's Montenegro cool. was a bit like that too. All these new Russian-built marinas, and that, that's they, what they've I, just set their price. And that's what I always tell my wife: drug money, drug money. That's that's how I yeah. explain it. Yeah. If somebody's not really actually <laughs> operating a business, I say, well, they don't need to. This is drug money. That's what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So you exactly. Yeah. So you said yeah, in Dubrovnik. That's I've anchored there many times and gone in and and uh, you gone into the marina and left my dinghy in there. They don't seem to have a problem with it. But I did. I, what is it? Um, uh, the um, the radio the the beacon that you have on your boat. What's that called? A um, if you have the uh, automatic uh, EPIRB. E, not EPIRB, not EPIRB, but the uh, the, oh, uh, the IIS. IIS. I, yeah, IAS. That's it. If you have IAS on, I've heard them say, "Oh, that guy's not supposed to be anchored there," or something like that. Not uh, from when I've had Channel Sixteen on, they say, "Oh, there's somebody anchored there. They shouldn't be there. We may go up and see him." But not not there. They were talking about another location. But the AIS, I've always wondered about leaving it on. I don't have it, so I don't have to worry about leaving it on. But if you do have AIS, maybe they'd catch you a lot more often if you're trying to anchor in some of these places. Yeah, yeah. I have AIS, but only receiving. I, I don't transmit. So ah, okay. Um, yeah, and I think if uh, yeah, I think during I, it's a tough one. I mean, you don't want to suggest someone turn off their AIS because it's, it's it's a safety feature. But but um, I always I was going to get upgrade mine so I had a trans transponder too but in the end I happy to to if I can see someone else I'm that's it's kind of enough I don't really need you know if I'm doing a lot of night passages and whatnot I'd probably up, upgrade but the way where you can manage yourself around the med um, and especially Croatia I have heard of people getting um, caught because shows exactly where they are and um you know they've passed alongside of an island or they've anchored somewhere and they're moved and you know it's um there are people watching it i think <laughs> yeah but i understand they have some pretty good radar off the coast too and they're watching you on radar too and and so yeah yeah exactly so i see you've got uh, the customs dock in dubrovnik marked here did you clear out of there yeah yeah we were I was pretty keen not to go back to Capta. <laughs> so, um, no arrogant lion yeah, helping. <laughs> I'm reading your What's comment that? here. I'm reading your comment here. It says, no arrogant lion helping and charging 20 euros for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and there was actually someone on the dock there that would help us through it with our lines, and it was really nice and uh, really easy. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ship dock, so the bollards and the fenders and they've got their uh, sort of ideally space for small boats and, and not perfect, but yeah, it, it worked. And I think it could get rough there with all the ferry traffic and cruise liners and stuff coming in, in and out of there. But the morning we went and it was fine and, and it was quite quick cause it's all in the same building and pretty straightforward. So, and then from there we just left and went, I kind of went straight offshore, um, and uh, stayed outside of all the islands and, and <clears throat> went down the coast and pulled into uh, Montenegro, um, which was, 
when we were in Montenegro for about three weeks, I think we hired a car there and did some inlanding and went, went inland up to the, what's in, I forget the name of the national park, but uh, Dumatok National Park, and which is absolutely amazing um, for, for a small country. Uh, you wouldn't think they'd have such vast national parks and stuff, but uh, yeah, they do. There's not a really low population and, and uh, so much space and nature. It's really quite beautiful. Yeah, I see you hit the Ryson like I did. Uh, the fairy jaws of death passage you got marked here. That's good. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I, that's not my comment actually. Okay. So yeah, I did do that the other day. But <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't put too many comments in Montenegro because it was so well covered by other people. Actually, I didn't put any. But but. Um, Oh, put uh, Budva when we went around there, and and uh, the little anchorage near the monastery around there. But um, yeah, it's so nice up in in the Bay of Kotor. It's yeah, it's so calm. You know, it can be thirty knots outside and just a glass off in there, and you barely even need your anchor. <laughs> you could you could drop drop anchor with a house brick, I think, and it'd be fine. Okay, but, um, I've I've always tied up in Couture, and so it's nice to know there's some free anchorages there. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, even uh, no one hassled us there at all. We anchored everywhere. In Excel, we we tied when we hired the car. We we uh, put the boat in Port of Montenegro for five days. Which so you know I'm not going to leave my boat on anchor no one no one does <laughs> so um that but that co- was fine that, that cost um, you a pretty penny didn't it it wasn't too bad i, I think low season had kicked in by then so it was late you know mid october okay and it was 35 i think it was 35 what, euros a night or something when, like that when so, you went to montenegro is that where you cleared in as port montenegro uh, no, we cleared Zelinka, Zelinka, Zelinka Customs Key. So just on the north side, as you. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I've cleared in there, and then then I've cleared in Porto Montenegro, but I've never and I've cleared out of Kator. Um, but uh, right. Yeah, Zelinka was sort of wide open. I didn't really like that that much. It was pretty windy when I cleared in there, but uh, no. And the, yeah, the the bollards are miles apart, and uh, they got these huge ferry rubber, black rubber fenders, which are miles apart too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, if there is any breeze, it's probably not ideal. Um, but uh, the downside, but yeah, we, we enjoyed it. The downside of Puerto Montenegro, where the customs dock is, there it's like eight feet to get up to the dock because it's all set up for big mega yachts. So the yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, even the fuel dock. I, when I fuel, fueled up there, there was the same thing. You know, the the the, the, um, the docks sort of three or four feet above my my deck height. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, three or four feet for you is five or six feet for my boat. So. I got a yeah, lot. right. Yeah. Okay. But, um, All right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, from there, from there, we went around to Budva and, uh, and stayed there a few days and then, 
had a, then we finally checked out of there, which was really easy. We checked out at midnight and the guy was, was super, super quick and, um, and, and simple. And, and then we had a weather window and we sailed down to, to Jerez in uh, Albania. Mm-hmm. Uh, checked in there and, um, you know, we, we weren't going to stop in Albania, but there was a southerly sort of airflow system blowing up up the Adriatic, and if we stuck to the shore, we we kind of avoided the worst of it, um, and so we just took the opportunity to 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 sort of skip down the Albanian coast, and and um, yeah, it was, it, it was fine. Uh, you need an A. Have you been to Albania? Yeah, and I cleared in and duress, and I see your notes on here that you said contact uh, Jaja at Sarandi Summer Tours, and they can arrange an agent yeah. from duress. So, uh, yeah. how now did you arrange before you arrived in duress? Because my problem is if you have, let's say, um, a SIM card for Croatia. Or you suddenly use it when you get to Mon- lose it when you get to Montenegro. How did you deal with your communications on your boat? Um, we we had a, a SIM card from Montenegro, and it just had a little bit of data on it for roaming. I don't know. It was it, okay. like enough to enough to, to it, it expired before I even got to Jerez but just as we were coming around the corner I told I sent a message saying look because it looked like my phone wasn't working and I was like oh I sent a message to the guy so we'll be there in about you know 90 minutes and and he was there waiting for us on the dock and took us to the you know took us to the I think you have to go to the ferry terminal to uh, clear passport um, and all your all your documents and stuff but um, yeah, it was pretty painful. It, it's a bit of a charge, but it, yeah, it, there's no there's no way around it, and it's not too much money for the to be sure that everything's going to go smooth. So. Yeah, when they, when I just called uh, called the port har- harbor master on Channel 16 as I was coming in, and they arranged for an agent for me when I got in there, and uh, I was way out on the yeah. end of the dock. I was way way out there. You're where you've got your place markers right in there. Where I would have rather been, I was way out through the, uh, out by where those cranes are, on mine, but uh, yeah, right. Um, I think in in summer it sounded like they'd set that up with sort of um, lines ashore there, so you could park like stern two in that in that little section where I was. By the time we got there, we were the only yacht. Um, we had, we didn't see another yacht in Albania. No, I went side tide. Yeah, I side tied there, and, and <laughs> again, it was like climbing climbing a wall to get to the dock because it's for all the big commercial yeah. ships there. But no, I see where yeah, those exactly. boats are stern to. But I that wasn't there when I was there. I was there a long time ago, so probably hasn't yeah, right. changed much. Is that big uh, built that big building just off the coast? It's all made out of wood, still in disrepair. Yeah, right. As you walk uh, up through town, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, it was it was a, a big structure. It looked like they'd spent a lot of money on it and stopped construction, and it was just sitting there, just sitting there. I'm trying to think yeah, right. of the name yeah. of it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's still quite underdeveloped, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Albania, um, but. Uh, 
kind of wild though. I'm very glad we stopped in a few places down the coast and, and, and saw it. So we had a bit of a problem getting out of Saranda in the south. You know, they, they don't really have a, there's no marina there or anything. And but when we pulled in there, it was, it was quite strong southwesterly. So it was a huge sea state. And I went in there and the agents on the dock saying, just come in, just come in. I'm like, there's no way I'm parking there today, you know. And um, so they sent us to the um, further south there, right down pretty much adjacent to Corfu. We parked in a little little bay down there with um, two or three other yachts and just waited until we, we could um, go. We were, we were stuck there for about three days waiting for the weather to pass. Hmm. Well, I'm so, seeing, I'm yeah, seeing, we'll, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing up now Sorry. near, and let me ask you near Vlor, you've got a marker or somebody's got a marker here of an Anchorage uh, just off the coast. It says, and I don't know if you put this here, Anchorage 2019, one mooring ball in the middle of a small yeah. bay was empty when we arrived. Was that you or somebody else that wrote that? Yeah, no, we, we, we arrived there and, um, it was kind of, kind of late and, um, it was a beautiful bay, but yeah, there's no villages or lights like street lights or anything ashore. It's just pitch black and there was no moon. And I, I knew we could probably anchor in there, but they've got the beacon on the wrong side of the point there. And you're coming in, you can't see anything. And you kind of trust do I trust the do I trust the chart? Do I trust the beacon? And you know, you just gotta go slow and we had some torches and found the rocks and went around it but it's a little bit confusing and then it, once we got in there i didn't know there was a mooring ball in there um and i think it it's, looks like a more of an official uh maybe a coast guard ball or something like that that they use but it was empty and, and um rather than um anchor in there I, I didn't know what the bottom was or it was dark so i just picked up this ball and it was fine we woke up there and we were still alone there was no one around at all so you went from duress down to there and then continue on. We we went into Orchium uh, for a night at that marina in Orchium, uh, but you avoided that and kept going oh, okay. on down. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we were a bit pushed for time. Um, that was another option, but then the next day going around the point would have taken us a few hours. So, you know, um, we, um, we, we didn't get a chance to stop in there. But it seems like it's the only marina on the whole coast. Um, it's a new marina, I think. Yeah, well, it's not that new. It's been around for a while, but it's ran by some Italians. But uh, okay, yeah, hmm, okay. So there you go, Sarandi. So the the anchorage around the side is where you ended up going, then, huh? Uh, well, no, we went south. So the oh. anchorage around the side. Um, when I yeah. K-S-A-M-I-L, yeah, K-S-A-M-I-L, yeah, you got your notes here. Okay, and I've never been there, so I went into Sarandi, and, but it was fine weather when I went in, so I didn't have any problem when I went into Sarandi. But, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, no, we couldn't have got in. Even the day we went in, it was marginal. I, I anchored in the bay, and I went in with the tender, and there was all these customs officials and saying, no, no, you got to come to the dock, and um, so... We sort of had to manage it. But, um, you know, it, it was fine. And I think had it been more busy, they probably would have let us get away with anchoring in the bay. But we were the only boat uh, coming through, I think, that day. So they were sort of made a, made a job of it. But anyway. Okay. 
So let's yeah, talk about from there. We just went into Greece. Sorry. So yeah, let's just talk a little bit about Greece. I was going to say. So you're taking me there anyway. We were a bit of time. We had some flights out of Athens. Uh, you know, two weeks after we went into Greece. So, um, but we we cleared out of Sarande and, and went straight down the Lefkis, uh down to Lefkis and through the channel. Um, that was sort of a, quite a long sail overnight, but um, we stopped in one little bay on the way. But it was a huge south-west uh, swell, and so it was pretty unpleasant. There wasn't much wind, but no. around two in the morning, we there, there was a weather wind. There was some uh, what northeast breeze that we could use to get to Lefkis, so we took that. Did you? Where did you clear customs when you got to Greece? Then was it in Lefkis? Uh, yeah, in Lefkis Marina. Okay, um, and that that was one of the most long-winded processes I've ever experienced. Um, <laughs> uh, it took 24 hours to have our both both our passports stamped and and uh, and be sort of free to go because I I didn't know, but and it's not really well uh, documented, but. If you're on a, I think if you're on a boat in Greece and if you arrive on a boat and you leave on a boat, they don't stamp your passport. But we were arriving on, on a boat and flying out. So uh, we needed, for just for Schengen rules and, and my wife's visa was about to expire, we needed um, an exit stamp or an entry stamp because at the airport there would have been a problem. They would have been going, how long have you been here? What have you been doing? So well, it was just a... a Joint, like such a long-winded process. You know, the harbour master said you don't need it. I need a stamp. And then I went and I thought, well, I just checked. I went to the police station. They said, yeah, you need. We went up to immigration, and they they weren't really set up to do it. But they so they dusted off all the machines and fingerprint readers, and and <laughs> nothing really worked. And uh, <laughs> we were sort of at over 24 hours before we got a stamp. The policeman was like, oh, he's trying to do it. But he needed a fax from the harbour master. We needed all our taxes paid. If you, I think they've they've abolished the, I think it's the DEPCA or the DECPA, some other some um, cruising log you needed. I think that's been abolished. But oh, at yeah. the time we went in, yeah, it has. They just basically have you uh, pay pay as you go. Somebody comes around and collects money every yeah. so often. Yeah. Yeah, they've eliminated. Yeah. We that. still, I think, they have the cruising tax now, which is, again, that's not really well set up either because it's you pay by calendar month. So if you're arriving late in a month, you've got to pay a full month for two days, um, mm. and then roll over to the next month. So uh, you know that's the way I understand it anyway. And so it's not like Croatia where you just go, okay, uh, you know, we're going to be here for thirty days. We want thirty days. It's it's a bit more. Um, but uh, we had to pay the Depka. We pay. I paid the the cruising tax online, but the Depka, I think it is, or yeah, that it was still it was still required. So I had to go pay that at the bank. And when I got to the bank and took my number and I looked up at what number they were at, and I was like, well, oh, no, it was like five hours of waiting for. So I went to every bank and grabbed the number in the village because I thought I'll oh, short circuit <laughs> this, but. <laughs> Every every bank had the same thing. It was just such a long-winded affair. So I went off 
I had lunch opposite the bank and waited and kept popping in there and waiting. But uh, finally, when we when we got the passport stamped, I, I said I asked the guy. I said, "So, if we were coming here on a boat and leaving on a boat, you wouldn't stamp our passports." And I said, "But what if we go ashore, you know, and whatever?" And he's like, "Nah, you know, it's you should have a permit to go ashore, but you know, he's quite relaxed about it and." It sort of got me thinking as to why, you know, Greece has, he, he did say, he goes, we've got a huge problem in Greece with um, migrants coming across and whatnot. And I'm thinking, well, I can see why now. I mean, if you're on a boat, you're a crew on a boat and you, you're sort of coming from the Black Sea and going through Greek waters, you're not sort of, you, you don't have to um, get your passport stamped if, if you're crew. Oh, that was the thing. Yeah, he said, if you're crew, because I had the crew list and I was skipper and my wife was crew, but we had no passengers listed. And he said, well, you've got no passengers. And I said, yeah, like, we are the passengers. And he's like, no, no. And he couldn't give us a passport stamp. He couldn't give passport stamps to a skipper or crew. He could only give passport stamps to, to uh, passengers. So I was like, you know, what's the difference? So I was in the, I was in the, in the, immigration office at the police station. I said, well, I'll just change this. And I, I changed it. And he said, now, can I get a... Said, yeah, now you can. So it was just putting our names in the passenger list that changed, <laughs> changed everything. But yeah, bureaucracy, I, I don't know. That's how they roll. So yeah, but, um, yeah so we didn't, we didn't spend a huge amount of time there. We went down. Once we got cleared, we, we stopped in a few islands. And one was that it was a little port called Friquez. Uh, which absolutely got destroyed last night. I saw some photos or yesterday with this storm. So it's a you know when we were there it was beautiful, but it looked the photos I saw this morning were was absolutely destroyed. Really, I wonder how Kioni uh, that was. Kioni uh, has always been my picture perfect Greek port, and you didn't get down there, but that's the next one south. And I absolutely right. love Kioni, but everybody else does now too. It's always jam packed as well. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Freakus, yeah, when I was there, it was always seemed yeah. to be sketchy anchorage when I was at Freakus. Um, but yeah, yeah, we were tied up alongside the wall in there, and it, it, there was a storm that night. Um, and you know, but uh, we, we were okay, it was a bit okay. surgy, but there was the wind was pretty calm, but there was a surge somewhere that was, it was a bit worrying and lightning, but um. But yeah, and then uh, yeah, then we sort of headed straight down to Corinth and um, the Corinthian Channel, and uh, stopped at Megalinisi and Trizona. Yes, yeah, yeah, we stopped there. Just there wasn't anywhere else to stop, but it was fine. It was really sheltered, um, and you could tie a side two to the dock, and I think uh, it was a small fee to t tie up there, but it, but it was fine. Um, there was some warning about. Uh, thieves there and a bit, of, a bit of crime and things being stolen off boats, but we didn't have any problem. Um, uh, okay. So, yeah, that was that was that was nice. Um, and then we had a good sail all the way down. We actually got the spinnaker up, which I don't do on my boat too often. Um, all the way from Trizonia down to Corinth was downwind in sort of twenty knots, and we arrived in Corinth. Uh, Sort of just on dark and pulled into the marina just at the end of the town there, and it was um, it's really rough. 
but it's it's free and it's really tight to get in there. But there was a space for us to tie up and wait until until the um, until we could pass the canal. Yeah, I've um, been the in there. Morning. I've been in there one time. I was underwhelmed by it, but at least you're right; it's free. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. But uh, okay. there isn't anywhere to. Well, you know, we had a strong north westerly, so it was quite rough outside. So there really was nowhere else to um uh, to go. Uh, so we were hoping there was space in there for us. There was, thankfully. Okay. But, um, so you visited Poros and then went up to the, uh, spent some time in the Saronic Golf area? Or is that some? Yeah, well, that was some years ago. Um, okay. I, this time we just got to Poros and uh, we sort of started packing up the boat in Poros. That was mid-November and, and then, um, you know, um, we stayed there for three nights and, and then finally we went up to Regina. And the boat's currently sitting in a boatyard on the north Oh, okay. Shore so you're of, on the north, that boatyard on the north. Is that reasonably priced? I've talked to other people that have, have, have gone to that boatyard as well. Yeah, it's uh, a Spracus boatyard. Um, yeah, it's really, I mean, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> one of the cheapest in the med, to be honest. Uh, I'm on the hard, I, I, I don't know, for 12 months, I'm, I think I'm paying, not including... Well, for six months it was it was I think it was twelve hundred, okay, um, including lift and and splash. So um, I thought that was pretty good. And then I when I had to extend because I got involved with the this project I'm in now, I rang I called him and I said, so what are we talking about for another month? Well, actually in February early this year I went and saw him and said, look, I, I'm not going to get back to the boat. Can we? I need to extend for a year at least. Um, and I think that for the year, without including the um, the lifting and, and and the launch, I think it, it's like two thousand one hundred. Yeah, which I think is more than fair. Yeah, I'm looking for the marina on the north side. I've I've seen it before, but I don't see it on Google Earth right now. But uh, but I know where you're talking about because uh, yeah. a couple other people I've talked yeah. to are staying there. Yeah, I'll put a pin there and and, um, and uh, mark it and just put a comment. It, it's a yeah, the guy's kind of friendly and and it's oh, they were running pretty efficient. No, we we came in and they were, were out of the water in ten minutes and pressure washed and and parked and so we we thought we'd be sort of a couple of days until we felt comfortable leaving the boat there packed up, but but um, we we're out of there that afternoon pretty much and um, felt sort of. Pretty secure. So it looks like there's two uh, boat yards there. One to the west. Uh, well, there's two. One one west and one east. Uh, is the one you're at the eastern boat yard? Canonis Canonis boat yard. There it is. Yeah. So that's one on the east side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're at we're at a So we're on the furthest east one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, with the one with, one with the travel lift in the yard, like in the middle of the yard, and the other travel lift is sort of closer to the the ramp. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, actually, I guess there's three boat yards there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now that now you've now. Yeah. Yeah. And then then they've got uh, storage on yachts across the street too. That's good. So, all right. Yeah, they're, they're packed in there. When I when I left the boat, there was there was 
no almost no room left for anyone else because we were quite late in the season. So, um, did you just like, when are you going to come and get it? I need to plan everything. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They know. always ask you when you're coming back because they've got to move a lot of boats around to get everybody out of there. So, uh, did you have an yeah. arrangement ahead of time, or did you just show up and say store my boat? No, it was planned well in advance. My brother had left his boat there uh, two years before, uh, so I had all the contact details and you know, I knew what my brother paid, so I could sort of lean on lean on him a bit when he tried to rip me off. <laughs> but, um, yeah, okay, but it was good. All right, so that's where the boat is right now. What are your plans for next year then? Assuming we can go sailing next year. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just I'm hoping by the time I finish my contract here, which will be uh, end of March, um, we'll go back to our, back to Andorra, sort out our, our things, and do 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 some normal stuff for a while, and then hopefully back to the back to the boat, sort of end of April, um, and do a bit of work on the boat, and then. We plan to sort of, I think we'll, depending on how things go with restrictions and whatnot, we'd, we'd like to spend a few months sailing around Greece um, and then maybe across to Turkey for a couple of months. The plan is to spend all next year cruising once we're finished here and then and then slowly get the boat back towards Spain and Barcelona area. We'd love to... Spent a bit of time around Sardinia and Corsica. We were, we were in Sardinia for six months earlier this year. Um, that's our, our America's Cup team had a training base there um, just before COVID hit. And uh, we actually got stuck there because of, again, because of visas and restrictions. We, the team, um, we, we, didn't, we didn't have time to get a, a UK visa. So we were, and then all the embassies closed. So we ended up staying in Cagliari um, and uh, basing ourselves there, and so and and I had my car there, so we could sort of see the island. And there's some amazing spots around Sardinia, so we're looking forward to taking the boat back there, and then uh, back to, back towards the Balearics, maybe, and uh, Barcelona. And then we had a plan, maybe in the off season next year, to try and get the boat up through the French canals. And I'd love to take it up to Sweden and have it up there with my boy, but for a summer, but um, I think we're going to struggle with depth. Um, there's, there's a little stretch of the French canals, but it looks a little shallow for our boat. So, um, well, what do you I draw? Need to do a bit more research there. Uh, we draw 1.8. That's what it says. But and the, the shallowest canal up sort of around on the east, on the western, on the eastern side of France that we can go is 1.8. Now I don't know if that means we're going to be dragging or touching every now and then or just just dragging on rocks the whole way. Um, I, you know, I don't want to get halfway up there and realise we've got to go back. Um, but uh, the, the idea of that is we could do it in, in sort of more off-season and not be so uh, weather-dependent de- because if we wanted to sail um, across the Bay of Biscay and up the coast of Portugal, and we'd have to, you know... We wouldn't be able to leave until sort of May, I think, to do it safely, quickly, um, or even later. And then by the time we get to Sweden, it'll be you know, time to turn around and come back almost. <laughs> so um, we thought I'd get the boat up there and 
uh, spend the summer up there and then slowly start coming down the coast um, through the English Channel and, and, and around the French coast. Um, in, in you know, as you're going south, the season's just getting longer and it's going to get easier. So that, that was our thinking there, but we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, I had, a lot, lot can change. I had Neil um, Fletcher, who's a friend of mine, and sailed with me, and I've sailed with him. He has his boat in Sweden. He loves it sailing out of Sweden. He's been there for th- four yeah, years right. now. Yeah, three or four years, I think. But he just did a podcast. Uh, actually, the podcast before the most recent one. He talks about his summer sail in Sweden and Finland. And uh, you might want to take a listen to that. But he's been on the podcast yeah, before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, Nathan, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else we should touch base on before we finish the interview? Ah, well, I think I've talked enough, I think. But, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for the opportunity, though. It's, um, uh, it's, it's good to share these experiences. I hope someone gets some value out of it. And, um, and uh, you know, now that I've... I've um, I'm aware of your podcast. I, I, I did look back at some of the other episodes, and there's a few there that definitely interest me. There's one on the French canals, and and what you just said about Sweden. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of value back there, so I will I will delve into your some of your last podcasts or your past podcasts. Well, thanks, Nathan. I really appreciate your time. Hold on, I'll talk to you just as in a second after I turn off the recorder here. So just hold on here. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.